0: Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of Hope for the Unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Seventeen minutes after beginning our journey, we turn onto the dirt road that leads to the village of Nanagade. This road do I really have to call it that? Is fairly straight with only a few turns every 10 kilometers or so. But this, by any stretch of the imagination, doesn't mean that we don't turn the wheel. Each pothole we attempt to avoid, seemingly larger than the last, throws us from side to side and up and down in the Hilux, jonkling us this way and that. Jonkle, to be tossed and thrown about in a vehicle, in some cases violently, while driving through pothole-ridden dirt roads in Africa. Susie invented this word, as you've just heard its definition. It's a bit like four-wheeling your way across uncharted mountain terrain. Bump, bang, oof. What to do when the entire road is a pothole? I'm James R. Kaczynski, Communication Director for Adventist Frontier Missions. Christmas is fast approaching, and I'm on assignment in Benin, West Africa, videotaping a couple of the projects. The roads in Africa can be quite rough, and today's story is my experience traveling to the village. I call this story, Junkle All the Way. Let's take a trip to the village, shall we? I gather all my camera gear. Two Manfrotto tripods, the GH4 camera with the zoom lens and speed booster, the GoPro camera with gimbal, a Rode video mic, a pair of wireless mics, a backup Sony camera, various and sundry accessories, a plethora of spare batteries, and a topped off 1.5 liter bottle of water. A must! Susie Baldwin, Missionary to these sun-baked parts of West Africa, never lets me forget the bottle HTO as she ensures that I am well hydrated. Four to five liters per day does the job. Keep this in mind for later reference. This healthy dose of water keeps me from looking like the scaly brown and gray lizards I see crawling up and down every wall, leaving their droppings as thanks for the myriad of bugs that they eat. We climb into the well-used, dusty white four-wheel drive Toyota Hilux, a much-needed vehicle for the roads we are about to encounter. Then we pray for safety for our journey and for the return of two missing goats, purchased two weeks earlier on our way to Susie and Fidel's home from the Owagadougou Airport some 7.5 hours away. The white goat with black splotches was pregnant, yet both sat nicely without any fuss next to my suitcase and trunk. And occasionally, we would stop and break off branches from the trees the goats prefer to eat for food, and for shade from the blazing sun. The night before, they didn't return to the corral, and despite a two-hour search, they were nowhere to be found. We trust God to hear our request, and we are on our way. First, we round the corner of Susie's farm road, rolling up a cloud of dust behind us as her five brown dogs, Camillo, Daisy, Bobble, Dingo, and Gronder, the only chocolate-spotted one who loves to growl, half-heartedly run after us for about 15 meters. They are an African breed, mostly mixed mutt with a streak of wild dog blended in, generally good at protection and early warning should someone walk by, but they may snap at their owners if they become irritated. One sees them in every town and village, almost as common as the pigs. As we bounce past fields of harvested corn, a staple for the Panjari diet, cotton, a cash crop that rarely profits much to the small-time farmer, and sorghum, used for adding essential elements to a basic diet consisting of only three or four main dishes, or sometimes squeezed and boiled down for sweetening. Dry weeds as tall as eight feet scratched the sides of the pickup, removing some of the clear coat. The first burning did not take them down. They were too green. The weeds simply dried out. Burning fields, wild or cultivated, is a common practice in Benin. And it's done once, if necessary, twice. Burning is fast and easy, and rarely gets out of control, though one Sabbath afternoon Susie, Fidel, three workers, and I spent three hours fighting one fire that advanced onto their farm. We cut fire breaks and used branches with fresh leaves to smother the flames before they could reach the garden, the cashew grove, the house, or the wood fence corral just built about four weeks earlier. Susie is also trying to preserve the savanna grass so that it will seed out and provide better pasture for her growing herd of sheep and goats. Yes, these are the same animals who bleat and blap every morning, rivaling the roosters when waking me up. A pig crosses our path. Several neighbors wave as we pass their children, some half-clothed, either the top half or the bottom half, and stare at the two white foreigners. A bicycle rider swerves into the bushes to avoid running into our oncoming truck as the road is simply too narrow to accommodate all of us. 1.6 kilometers later, we reach the highway. I call it a highway only because it is paved, and it is the main thoroughfare between towns. But here our adventure begins. Susie cranks the wheel left, then right, then left again as she navigates the large potholes scattered randomly on the gravelly blacktop. It's actually more like a tar and gravel road than true pavement. She speeds up a bit, only to hit the brakes again for a speed bump. A school sits off to the side of the road, and its dusty dirt playground hosts scores of khaki uniformed children ages 10 to 14 who play games and chatter between each other. Another speed bump, and at the end of the school zone, we pick up speed again. A pig crosses the road in front of us. God is good. He has protected us from road hazards, accidents, bandits, both official and unofficial. Cobras and vipers, scorpions, wasps, and African bees, spiders, and microscopic pests during my stay with the missionaries. And he has granted us all good health simultaneously. God has rebuked the devil from any evil he planned for us and kept us free of harassment and oppression. You should know that your prayers for our safety are being answered by all the angels necessary for each situation we encounter. Thank you. Thank God. The other day Fidel, brandishing a borrowed machete, Susie and I climbed the mountain overlooking Tangeta City and the plains filled with villages from right to left as far as the eye can see. As we surveyed the area, a sense of the grandness of the Panjari mission project sprang to life. So many people to reach. So few to reach them. Even so, in one year, by God's grace, three of these villages have new church groups with plans to build structures in all three. In fact, they are hand-making the bricks even now. They are willing. They only lack the funds to lay the foundation, purchase the roof, and to begin construction. Phew, I am officially out of shape. It wasn't the middle of the day, so I couldn't complain about the heat. The morning air was in the high 70s, and it was comfortable enough. But it's been years since I hiked up a mountain with a 45 degree angle. Oh, I stop frequently panting like a dog out of breath, my heart nearly thumping out of my chest. And that was up. After the view, along with rest and water, we started down. Belshazzar's knees weren't knocking nearly as loudly as mine, as I shakily placed one foot beyond the other in the steep downward descent. ay yeah, I think my legs are wobbling even today. But here's the thing that rocky, thorn-infested, grass-blanketed mountainside, in places the five-foot-tall grass lay down, adding a slippery surface to the sharp, jagged stones, awaiting the twist of an ankle to stab one's foot, harbored the perfect dwelling for cobras or a nest of vipers. Yet, not one snake showed its head above its hole. Not one! God sent His angels to keep them in their dens for the three hours we traversed up and then down the unforgiving and treacherous surface. Furthermore, in all my travels about the country of Benin, a land where Nigerian and local bandits will, at dusk and at nighttime, stop cars, rob people, and rape, shoot, and kill without hesitation, not one poked his head out of his den of thieves. Not even one. God is good. Seventeen minutes after beginning our journey, we turn onto the dirt road that leads to the village of Nanagade. This road, do I really have to call it that? It is fairly straight with only a few turns every ten kilometers or so. But this, by any stretch of the imagination, doesn't mean that we don't turn the wheel. Each pothole we attempt to avoid, seemingly larger than the last, throws us from side to side and up and down in the Hilux, jonkling us this way and that jonkle, to be tossed and thrown about in a vehicle, in some cases violently, while driving through pothole-ridden dirt roads in Africa. Susie invented this word, as you've just heard its definition. It's a bit like four-wheeling your way across uncharted mountain terrain. Bump! Bang! Oof! What to do when the entire road is a pothole? Well, there is reason that these vehicles come equipped with six handlebars, two per person, with the driver expected to hang onto the wheel more often than not. Yes, I hang on with both hands. Yet we aren't traveling fast, one can't. So there is time for another pig to cross the road, 10 meters in front of our truck. This one is mud caked and colored a gray-brown, just as the others. You only think I'm exaggerating to this point. But bear with me for the kicker. On this earthen, reddish-brown, whole-pocked, puttering path, the only connection between villages, someone of great importance, built-in speed bumps of no ordinary stature. Trapezoid in shape, they are about 6 to 8 inches across the top, stretching the entire width of the road and sticking up about 8 to 10 inches above ground. In most cases, these cement speed bumps, as if necessary, are worse than the potholes themselves. Hit that with both wheels at the same time. Her thump. It's like driving over a larger version of the cement parking lot guards that keep a car from going too far forward. Even as I type these lines on my iPhone to include in my finished story later, the jonkling has forced my iPhone to ask, Undo typing? A dozen times. Apple calls that shake to erase a feature. Arrgh. Undo? This is nothing yet, Susie laughs as she sees my smartphone, adding to my plight. As we near the village, the road is half washed out. And this isn't, I muse. But she is right. After junkling three quarters of the way there, a greater portion of the road disappeared into a ditch and a pile of fine dust and sand. We opt for the cow path. After all, motorcycles had been using it too. Next we reach a bridge with gaping holes covered by a few logs. We choose once again for the cow path through the riverbed. It's dry season. There's no water to be found there anyway. Onward we go. Almost there. A sheep crosses the road. Where's the pig? Why did the sheep cross the road, I ask Susie? Because the pig was busy. We laugh and jonkle on. Then it comes to my mind that this isn't my first detour. Burkina Faso roads rival that of Benin. Well, we'll have to continue this story later. Stay tuned for part two of Junkle All the Way. If this story hasn't junkled you too far away from your computer, and you would like to become a missionary yourself, open your browser to afmonline.org and select Get Involved. God bless.